All right. We'll go ahead and get started. Uh, thank you all for joining us this evening. Um, do appreciate having everybody here. Uh, have a. It's kind of been a slow news cycle uh, this time around, but uh, I guess it's... well, depending on well, what, you're, what news you're looking at. Like, how much into the drama do you want to get, right? So, um, which you know, we're we're relatively drama free now. Obviously, it begs to mention there's you know some some stuff going on around the new uh, Fat Shark Dominators, um, and uh, that'll be interesting to see how that kind of fleshes out um i did see a couple articles kind of mentioning uh you know the involvement of involvement or lack of involvement of dji uh some of the ability to kind of copy or utilize tech that dji has or kind of uh uh what's the word uh reverse engineer some of the tech to to create some of the new and i'm not saying any of that happened you know, I, I, am of the feeling that the more, uh, the more options people have, the, the more livelier the, the hobby is. And, um, if people are still creating and innovating, that's a great, great deal. If it's for you, grab it. If it's not continue using what you're using, I still use analog. So, um, I still have a, a set of dominant, uh, see, yeah. Dominator HD twos. So, I mean, I'm old school. I like the big FOV, so um, they work great. I'm really with like XJet on this one. I, I'm curious to see what's out there, but I would not buy it until you know it was actually a delivered product that people had real reviews of. Absolutely. And all the all the chatter about whose is it, where's it come from, all that stuff. So it's a little interesting to follow, but it doesn't really matter yeah. until until later on until... and we learn more things about it. Absolutely, and I'm of the same. The pre-order with the lack of detail is a bit insulting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, again, if you want to be one of those bleeding edge adopters, I mean, it's it's kind of like the the PC space, right? If you're if you want to be bleeding edge, you kind of got to deal with uh, some of that uh, involvement. I mean, <clears throat> even the Orcas when that was kickstarted, a lot of people didn't know what was actually going to be delivered. So. Um, and Orca has really kind of built a fan base. I think, uh, Alex, you use Orcas, right? So, yep. I'm on and, Orca. and I was able to review a set of Orcas when they first came out They're, I mean, they're good goggles. So, um, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. So it yeah. does yeah. bear to I, mention. I, I, yeah, I agree. And yeah, my, my wait and see will be the, what's the hardware, uh, technology in the, um, uh, that the uh, VRX is using, uh, because that's uh, that will be uh, telling in terms of um, how much freedom there is for whomever is developing the firmware and the software, and uh, yeah. that will how prevalent is the hardware? Are there libraries? How quickly can it be, be debugged? Are there test buckets, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So it's it, it gets into a, a very interesting uh, uh, geeky. Uh, hardware uh, set of questions for me yeah and i think the hard part is is that um people i mean every every time a new hd solution comes out everybody's got to change all their gear and um i think that's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people whether you you know early adopter dji and air units or uh you're going hd zero or i mean and then the new dominator ecosystem um, you know, that's the expensive part. I think the, the, 
the nice thing about analog was once you know one set of gear worked More. with everything yeah and so you know as we get more and more specialized it it segments the hobby in different ways um and you know that can get expensive for some so i i kind of understand that if you're looking for to do a case study on how not to launch a product uh what they did last <laughs> week was pretty good <laughs> or how to how to get tons and tons of uh people attention. talking attention about yeah. a product that's not released yet i guess that's another way to go yeah yeah i mean people are looking yeah, to your company oh i thought it was really funny kind of following it last friday and like mm -hmm. this whole thing about Walksnail came out and then you could go to their website yep. and then it disappeared and it was password protected and then i like no, try it well is the password snail? password no is the password Walksnail? yes it's like who puts the password <laughs> Walksnail on their Walksnail website like uh, uh yeah <laughs> it was like yeah. the second <laughs> password i guessed <laughs> yeah, for those of you following uh, HD0, where uh, they've created an ASIC, and it's uh, they've dropped about $10 million of uh, development into that ASIC, uh, that's, that's my, and uh, XJet's making reference to that as well. That's the, the magic, and that's where uh, uh, this, is, this is going to get interesting. So we'll, yeah. see, we'll see what the hardware is, and then from where the hardware is, we'll get the firmware and software questions answered, and then we'll see how um, prevalent uh, and how easy it is for other uh, vendors to uh, buy into the system, develop it, et cetera. Yeah. Oh, good it's times. Like... So, so <laughs> now that that's out of the way, and you know that was obviously the relevant uh, news of the week, but let me uh, get Yeah, if people really want to dig into that more, Joshua Bardwell's got a couple of videos, and Joshua and It's Blunty did a pretty deep dive into it on their news segment last night as well. So uh, this is uh, not drone-related, but definitely FAA-related. Um, so let me get this pasted in here. So the FAA has revoked the pilot certificates who pulled off the Red Bull plane swap stunt. So if you haven't heard about this, uh, there were two pilots. Um, they basically exited their planes. Uh, they were supposed to swap planes in midair and uh, continue flying. Um, the attempt ended with uh, one of the pilots successfully making the swap while the other pilot had to parachute to the ground and the other aircraft uh, um, nose-dived into them. So um, the FAA has responded by revoking the pilot certificates of both pilots. Um, they will be unable to uh, reapply for their pilot license for uh, a year. Um, and it has come out that the, uh, the pilots did, uh, or sorry, one of the pilots, uh, Aikens asked for an exemption from regulations prohibiting required crew members from leaving their stations while at an aircraft is in flight, while an aircraft is in flight. Um, he claimed responsibility for moving forward, uh, with a stunt, um, and he also noted that he didn't share the information regarding the denied exemption. So, uh, definitely a, a big deal, I would imagine. Where's the $15,000 fine? 
Um, it's uh, actually a $5,000 fine for violation of free regulation. So unless that is a $5,000 fine spread across or whether it's per so um, violated three regulations uh, regarding required flight crew members remaining at their stations, uh, regarding the duty of the pilot to see and avoid other aircraft, and uh, not operating an aircraft in a or uh, operating an aircraft in a careless and reckless manner. So definitely interesting. Um, I've seen a lot of arguments out there that. Uh, a lot of people, when it comes to some regulations, is just do like Red Bull does. Uh, sometimes what Red Bull does results in something very bad. So uh, definitely an interesting. Uh, what if they had been riding in remotely controlled airplanes instead? I mean, that's a possibility, but uh, that would be definitely... <laughs> Interesting. So, like, remote controlled airplanes. And then what if they had remote under... controls in their hands for the planes? Yeah, well, if they were flying uh, under 107 and they were on the ground and still uh, aircraft were in visible line of sight and they both maintained control, they could do it. Yeah. So... Well, I think they'd be over 400 feet. That would be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,. One could say is that they could leave a pilot in there and then two guys would just swap planes, right? But that's probably... Gonna I think they did that already, though. Yeah, so you got to one-up it. So At a certain point, one-upping it becomes impossible, as evidence. So. Soon it'll be one plane, the pilot jumps out and goes back in. <laughs> I, when I first heard about this, that's kind of what I thought was supposed to happen. <laughs> So full size free flight is an assignment. Yeah. All right. So um, you know, there's a lot going on in the country right now, but uh, Congress found time found time this week to have a hearing on UFOs. Um, and apparently, drones are responsible for some of the UFO sightings, but others are unexplained. So on Tuesday, a House subcommittee held a meeting discussing UFOs as well as the potential national security threat they pose. Um, sorry. Yeah. Well, that would be uh, great. Let's get Congress to focus on UFOs instead of drones as being the scary thing. <laughs> but then they'll say UFOs are UFOs are drones. <laughs> they have to have remote we'll ID. Right then we'll know what they right. are. <laughs> really? Maybe, maybe remote ID is just a way to rule out drones as actual UFOs. I mean. So uh, Representative Andre Carson, the subcommittee chair, opened the meeting by noting that it has been over 50 years since the government ended Project Blue Book, the government's efforts to study UFOs. For more than 20 years, that project had treated unidentified anomalies in our airspace as a national security threat to be monitored and investigated. Uh, the group now refers to these as unidentified aerial phenomena, um, or UAPs, no doubt in part to avoid the connotation of the term UFOs with aliens and conspiracy theories. Now I'm going to have to change my acronyms again. Jeez. Yeah, I, kept look, I kept looking for nameplates of Agent Mulder. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Uh, this goes on and on and on. And there was uh, definitely um, 
Some footage shown. Uh, it says drones explain at least two UAP sightings. Two of the instances demonstrated a similar UAP with a triangular flashing light taken, taken several years apart. We are now reasonably confident that these triangles correlate to unmanned aerial systems uh, drones in the area. The triangular appearance is a result of light passing through the night vision goggle and then being recorded by an SLR camera. Ray then explained it was only through the multiple instances of similar effect that this conclusion was able to be reached while also acknowledging that not, not all effects can be explained. So, I mean, hey, if you want to cause some drama, um, build build a uh, UAV that's, uh, you know, looks like a UFO. Or just so. answer enough questions with Senator, I'd like to I'd like to answer that question in the closed session. <laughs> right. So hey, there you go. Um, we're part of the UFO phenomenon now. So how come they were able to get the acronym changed from UFO to UAP, but we can't get people to stop calling what we use drones when it's got a negative connotation to it? Right. People are going to still call it UFOs, though. They're going to forget that acronym. It take it, it probably takes a generation or two for for the, that kind of stuff to take effect on that. All right, let's see. Uh, real quickly, is UAP gender specific? It's a phenomenon. So gender neutral. I would say no. I would say it's very gender neutral. All right. So the United States Air Force renews and extends partnership with the Drone Racing League to celebrate 75 years of innovation. Uh, United States Air Force and the Drone Racing League's League, the world's premier professional drone racing property, today announced a renewal and expansion of their partnership supporting the Air Force's uh, 75th anniversary theme to innovate, accelerate, and thrive. Partnership is, is designed to accelerate the skills of drone pilots around the world and to recruit the next generation of innovators in the U.S. Air Force. This year, the League will launch new programming during Military Appreciation Month leading into the UAS, or, sorry, U.S. Air Force's uh, 75th anniversary in September, coinciding with their 2022-2023 DRL Algorand uh, World Championship season. Um, so uh, just continuing to partner up with them. Um, adding to their co-branded uh, broadcast integrations, digital series aimed to teach aspiring FPV drone pilots on how to fly. And the UAS or the U.S. Air Force boneyard maps and drone skins in the DRL Sim, a true-to-life drone racing video game. Um, U.S. Air Force and DRL will build new cutting-edge content, immersive gaming, course gate, and pilot spotlights throughout the 2022-2023 uh, championship season. I wonder how much the drone use that people have been seeing in Ukraine has affected various people's thoughts about things like this and how much the air you know, force it, should be recruiting people and whatnot you know that's actually a, a interesting topic because i mean while there's a lot of military drone use happening uh you know on both sides there's a lot of i mean just basic uh homebrew dr drone use as well whether it's uh you know used for i know a lot of uh i've read news articles a lot of they're using them to, to identify troop movements and, and uh, like uh, evacuate areas before you know armies move in and that kind of stuff. But as well as I mean, even uh, differing uh, types of small drone combat uses. Yeah, and there's even been a lot of 
FPV footage of surveying areas and all kinds of things. Yeah. And I mean, the hard part is, is, you know, with that, you know, that, that negative connotation of the word drone that we've, we've kind of fought for so long is now applying itself to that aspect. Right. So, um, it's definitely interesting. Let's see. Much different. footage proves that we can put bombs on drones, so they must be banned. Uh, if they're lethal flying death machines, we just got to clean segment of the instruction manual. Okay. Um, all right. So, um, and we got Amazon. Uh, tried to postpone an investigation into a delivery drone crash, crash because an employee's dentist took them out. Um, <laughs> what? I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> think these things wait. Uh, so Amazon has tried to avoid federal investigations into delivery drone crashes, documents show. An Amazon representative tried to delay an FAA investigation by saying he had a dentist appointment, according to one document. Amazon is testing drones for future delivery options that will use autonomous drones. Um, in one crash report seen by Insider, uh, business, this is Business Insider, uh, Federal Aviation Administration Inspector Jim Holden noted that Amazon's representative tried to postpone the crash inspection by saying he had a dentist appointment. In the same report, Holden wrote that Amazon had not provided photos and information about the incident a month after it happened. Yeah, but um, the delivery the delivery was for Novocaine, so you know. <laughs> the documents outline several instances suggesting that Prime Air tried to avoid or postpone investigations by the FAA, which regulates drone flights in the U.S. At least twice, Amazon removed drone wreckage before the FAA inspectors could investigate, according to the documents. Um, an Amazon spokesperson said that Insider's characterization of the FAA documents was misleading and inaccurate, adding that Prime Air has complied with all incident reporting investigation and all other applicable regulatory requirements. The company also said it's now its policy to notify the agency before moving crash debris. Well, I definitely uh, removed my crash policy. debris before contacting the FAA. But <laughs> <laughs> Crash debris? What's that? That's your props, Alex. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> how, about the how, can there debris, how can there be debris if you don't find anything? <laughs> I think that's the, the tack that Amazon's taking. <laughs> uh, let's see. In the past year, at least eight Amazon drones have crashed during testing, uh, including ignite, one that ignited a 20-acre brush fire in eastern Oregon. So those, 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 uh, Sounds heated. My crashes are usually so bad there's no debris. Yeah, my first drone crash that I actually witnessed was thankfully not mine. Um, but uh, one of my friends actually hit a tree, uh, just clipped a tree, and the whole, I mean, like 20 pieces everywhere. I mean, literally went one way, GoPro went another way, uh, battery went, you know, a complete opposite direction. It was All right, uh, for those who uh, have, what happened? Hey, there we go. DJI. Uh, um, so uh, for those who sub uh, subscribe to the DJI or who like it, um, looks like they may be coming out with uh, a Cinewhoop version um we did just have the release of the dji mini pro which is like a thousand dollar uh 
mini, uh, which is insanely expensive. Like, holy cow. Uh, and I know it's got a lot, but the whole point of the mini was like, you know, availability. Yeah, exactly. It's going to break. So, it, it will be considered cheap when you see the prices of the other new drones, probably. <laughs> right? It's like, good deal. So, um, let's see. Uh, uh, two separate sources with a solid track record for leaking news about upcoming drones. Um, uh, we have shared photos and early details about another new first-person drone supposedly coming from DJI of the summer, one specifically designed for capturing unique shots in tight indoor spaces. Um, the DJI Mini 3 Pro is certainly already a smaller option as far as camera-carrying drones, but it was designed that way so it would weigh less than 250 grams, and users wouldn't have to register it with the FAA, not to make it easier to pilot in tight spaces. This new option would fill that niche with protection and other features the Mini 3 Pro lacks. Uh, for some background, a year ago, DJI released its first FPV drone. Uh, we know it's DJI FPV drone. Um, uh, cup, uh, the company has a follow-up in route with a potential July or August debut featuring a Cine Whoop style uh, design with ducted propellers that make it safer to operate indoors and more likely to survive a crash. Uh, a greater risk given where these types of drones are usually operated. So, uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, it is a a tight little package, just a 3D rendering, obviously, but uh, uh, definitely interesting. We'll see. You know, it's probably two thousand dollars. So, <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see why uses... DJI might go this route. I mean, with the popularity of all those fly-through videos we've been seeing lately, but I don't think the market's yeah. that huge for that. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, it'd be interesting. Unless DJI is trying to use this as a way to. I don't know, get something to sell From... that doesn't have to have remote ID? Does that work? Can they say this is an indoor drone and then it doesn't need remote ID? Well, I was thinking with remote ID and it would be the only uh, um, operation over uh, people uh, capable because it's under 250 grams. Well, this so one's not playing? under 250, well, though, is I it? I didn't no, think that was going to be under 250, not. so that not wouldn't matter. Uh, does it so have a size... Next year, it's saying the Vada, which is what this one's called, is going to be 500 grams. 500 grams? Oh. Mm. oh it's yeah. going to need, not only is it going to need remote ID. Well, no matter what, either way, it It'll needs remote ID. Too. I, if it's I 107, agree. no matter what, it needs remote ID. Well, not if it's flown entirely indoors. Not if it's flown indoors. Uh, yeah, but. But I'm still not sure if. But then you're not flying under 107. You're not right. flying under anything. I'm still not There's sure no that you're allowed right. to sell a drone in the United States without remote ID starting this September, whether you fly it indoors or not. That might have to be challenged in the courtroom. Yeah, it might, because that's I think I think that would depend on how it's worded. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no... Regulations don't distinguish between that. So, I mean, yeah. it doesn't say if a drone, is, you know, if a particular, you know, UAS is... is you know, slated to only fly indoors that you won't have to, you know, that's a way to get out of it. There's, there's no, it, it probably will have to be challenged. Um, the safer bet would to be just put it on there and, and move on. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you sideburns. I do think it's a, uh, he's not, he's in not here, in but, the chat. Uh, that's all right. 
but yeah, I would say it's probably just a rearranging of pre-existing components as well. They probably just took components out of the DJI FPV um, and moved them around. So what I find so, interesting is they're covering. It looks like the camera's just pointing straight ahead, and then if you were to angle it up, half of it's going to be blocked by the top. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I was wondering about that, that too. That, that's just weird and kind of bugs me. It's only yeah, meant for chasing is... people downhill where you have the camera pointed down at them. Well, the other problem with this is, and again, it's a 3D render, but at the same time, yeah. you know, you're going to need to be able to tilt that camera uh, because mm -hmm. obviously the drone's going to be flying forward um, to capture shots. I would imagine they'd put it on a similar gimbal to like what Maybe that's just the rearward facing camera and we're looking at the back of the drone. <laughs> right? That could be uh for sure i wonder if they figured out how to keep that thing from sucking itself to a wall <laughs> tiny whoops are so good at that they are <laughs> all right so that's all i have for articles today um pretty pretty uh like i said pretty slow uh news cycle um but uh i imagine uh days we're keeping busy yeah on yeah, the days or... kinds of stuff I got, uh, we're leading a subgroup on the AAC, AAAC, Advanced uh, Aviation Advisory Committee, Tasking Group 13. And this one has to do with AAM. And interestingly, it's probably going to time out uh, for in time for the June 30 AAC meeting, which is supposed to be in person. Or come try to be uh, attend that one in person. I think Alex may try to get to that one as well. Well, I'm right next to DC, so I should be able to yeah, make all, it. All they have to do is uh, uh, give us a location, and we should be able to handle yep. that. Uh, which the location, by the way, is not set. That's why we don't. That's why we don't know it. Um, I'm also. Uh, I mentioned that uh, uh, we got uh, FPV Freedom Coalition as a member of the drone safety team, formerly known as the UAS safety team. Uh, which it appears talk to itself, which of course is uh, a normal phenomenon for uh, folks around the Beltway. Uh, but this is uh, over 80 uh, associations, the same, uh, same similar crowd as the on the on the ACK, but more companies, uh, lots of great folks. And uh, the objective is try to let's see if they can make some recommendations and do some uh, productive work and. One of the things that uh, we'll be working on, and I've got the lead to pull together a number of volunteers, is around the, let's see, it's the ASRS for small UAS, so the Aviation Safety Report System. That's the S. Something so, like that. And so this <laughs> is, this is, we're going to, we're going to take on our careful, committed, and civil uh, hats, and we'll, we're going to be productive and uh, see if we can. Uh, make some sense out of uh, this. A great program for uh, crewed aircraft when they were saving lives, but if the objective is safety, then we really are thinking about uh, battery safety, propeller safety, pre-flight, and do things uh, in a normal way uh, for uh, for flights. So we'll keep you posted on that as that uh, goes forward. And then we're also starting up, as we had mentioned in the past, work on the 2023 Reauthorization Act, uh, and in terms of uh, events, Josh and I are headed to Flight Fest end of June. So that for an F, we'll be putting on an FPV experience. And Alex, I bet I bet you're going to a race sometime soon. Uh, 
Yeah, next race I have is Saturday. It's up in Long Island. Long Island. How far? How mm-hmm. far out on the on the island? Uh, it's actually not far from one of the airports there. It's right. It's right next to the city. Wow. But yeah. Outside, so, so it must have been just uh, outside of the the uh, the cone of silence uh, for drones in New York City. That's I great. guess so. I didn't look. Yeah, the upside <laughs> the upside is Long Island is very long. So if it's real close, then uh, it it's not a terrible drive for you. But it, mm-hmm. if if you had said Hampton, then it would have been another couple hours for you. So that's great. And this is a multi GP race. Yes. Well, yeah. It. Well, it's a, one of the chapters. Mm-hmm. Great. And Josh, that's uh, I. I think that's uh, those are the items that uh, that we're working on. Keep them busy. Okay. Very good. Um. So, uh, one of the things I do want to mention is pretty quick here, and I think we may have talked about this last week. I'm not sure, but just to kind of reiterate, uh, we are coming up into reauthorization uh timeframes now. So. Uh, we will be uh, digging in onto that um, and uh, obviously trying to uh, make an impact with the overall reauthorization. Um, so uh, I do uh, just want to alert everybody that, that it's kind of that time. Uh, every five years, the FAA gets reauthorized, and that's where Congress sets the mandates that the FAA operates under in regards to everything they do, but in particular of interest to us, obviously is, is the, the UAS regulations. So, um, as that, uh, comes up, uh, and we start, uh, seeing some, some, some news on that and, uh, we'll start sharing what we're working on as well as, uh, ideas, uh, from the community, uh, getting feedback. That's always supremely important to us. Um, because you know we're we're just a couple of people. We want to know what everybody thinks, and um, I know that uh, these times uh, where new potential regulations and, and rules come out, they can be stressful for everybody. Uh, let's just be, you know, uh, as Dave puts it, professional, polite, and uh, what was the other one? <laughs> productive. Productive. Yes, absolutely. So um those uh you know as as that comes out but uh we'll 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 uh keep you notified of our progress on that and lenny Um, mentioned uh a reference to spectrum spectrum was um part of the last uh the 2018 uh, reauthorization act section 374 and uh, i'm sure that will be a that is one of the items on on my list to nudge the uh, faa to uh, complete what they were asked, asked, quote, asked to do by Congress <laughs> in 2018 to work with the FCC and the NTIA to allocate spectrum to UAS so we have protected spectrum and it does not get auctioned out from under us to uh, cell phone companies. And Dave, Absolutely. there was some work done on that, right? But it didn't really get very far? Did not get very far. They met a couple times and I have, heard, I have not heard anything else. So, uh, yeah, CBOs. and we do have... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so obviously that's the next thing. You know, one of the things when the 2018 reauthorization and 
Dan, that's still up on our website, right? The uh, kind of timeline, or did we take that down? Uh, it's probably still there, out of date. So, yeah, yeah, definitely out of date. But you know, the FAA is completely out of date. So <laughs> there um, hasn't been many changes. They haven't released a whole lot. Yeah. So one of the things that they were supposed to do, I think, within like 180 days, was to kind of bring CBOs uh, out into the open and and uh, give us a, a, a path for, you know, application and, and uh, survival. So, you know, it's funny because they keep postponing this and all their rules dictate that CBOs, you know, to, to kind of see work CBOs, with work with, yeah, exactly, all this stuff. CBO but, safety guidelines, CBO established free is, yep. And not only that, but CBOs as uh, stakeholders in FAA regulations and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's the, that to me, that's the key point, right? So if they haven't defined CBOs, then they don't have any, any, any stakeholders that they need to work with. So um, that, that's the unfortunate part and definitely something that we've been pushing uh, the FAA on um, to make some progress on. We did have the... Uh, Oh, the the uh, words escape me at the moment. Well, the advisory yeah. that came out. Thank you. Um, requesting information. Everybody submitted information. Then Charlie. Went into the black hole of of government. So. And, and, uh, and um, legendary is asking, what's a CBO? A CBO is a community-based organization. It's established uh, by the FAA with a uh, in or it was uh, mandated by congress with a set of uh guidelines you have to be a 501c3 you have to operate uh in education you have to operate for the safety and the benefit of uh, a community of uh, uas uh, operators essentially uh and so they detailed it uh congress detailed it out pretty well and the faa was supposed to as josh was saying within 180 days of the issuance in October 2018 of the FAA Reauthorization Act, they were supposed to have CBOs up and running and established. And so here we are at 2022, and they're still not established as uh, any organization being able to be a CBO. And so uh, if FPVFC, uh, we put ourselves together as a 501c3 to become a, uh, a CBO uh, flight test, uh, created uh, a 501c3 flight test Flight Test Community Association to be a CBO, uh, and of course the AMA uh, established a 501c3, and one of their um, uh, capabilities would be a, a CBO. And yeah. sort of and... adding on to what TextJet was saying, that there's no rational thought coming up with all these regulations, it's also that things don't happen in a proper order. Things just happen at Happened. the pace that each thing happens like what we saw with that thing from way back in 2019 was it where the they were working 20, on something and then they released 20, it 2017 2017 yeah and and, and they released the, it uh, and it references section 336 which has now been eliminated real. so right yeah so that was the uh, manufacturer safety requirement so all uh, manufacturers are required to uh, make uh, Safety operators statement. aware of uh, this set safety statement and uh, uh, they have provided FAA has provided samples and encourages manufacturers to uh, uh, provide this uh, safety statement for everyone who purchases a UAS and uh, there's no date on it so 
like Dan says, they they got right on it in 2017, and events have overtaken them a little bit. So, yeah, yeah there are and there are references in that one page statement in their sample to a CBO. So, yeah, oops. a lot of a lot of uh, you know, especially recreational uh, um, regulations mention uh, CBOs, and yet they've never beyond Rios. defining what they are. Uh, they've they've never given us a path to to become one. So right now there are no existing CBOs, um, no AMA, no uh, FPVFC, no FTCA, and there's several others that uh, I imagine would uh, fall into that category as well. I, I imagine MultiGP would want to fall into that. They could maybe. Oh. I mean, it'd be a route. Not for a them, one C three. Need to start no, it. but. I mean, you could. I mean, as a as a you know, yeah, an ability to do some extra things for its members, right? So, um, whether they're looking at it or not, um, it's an option for a lot of different organizations around the yeah, country. Yeah, C- to... CBO status for someone working with multi uh, GP is critically important, so that we press the FAA to establish uh, temporary or uh, fast turnaround on FRIAs, so that they can uh, set up a race uh, and uh, at a location that is not a permanent flying site yeah so uh anyway uh oh for, forgive the interruption oh you're um, fine. i i was wondering and i know this is kind of way off left field if a cbo can be defined as not a physical thing like uh, doing some actual community thing but a protocol thing for example can the community of developers from ELRS become a CBO because you're setting a de facto or standard or protocol? I want to say, I want to focus on protocols, not standards. And can we take something that's open source developed and turn it into, well, this is a real community of developers, of people that contribute to everybody in the world. And I don't Can know that, that be defined be... as a CBO because it's not a physical get together; it's a code get together. I don't I... know that there would be any benefit. Stretch. Well, no, I don't, I just don't think there would be any benefit to you, because if you set up as a um, an LLC or a, a Chapter S or uh, any type of um, for profit um, structure. Uh, you can operate as a development uh, organization and you'd have better uh, protections for intellectual property, whereas uh, uh, 501c3, which is what uh, the FAA has stipulated is required, is required. Uh, it has to be, you know, is a, um, usually a charitable and it has an education based, and there are rarely products coming out of that type of entity. And it gets tricky if you're producing and releasing uh, something that has uh, intellectual property. So that yeah, becomes they're... a generic question then. Like, can a open source project tie to a 501c3 for education purposes? And if it could, it seems like a stretch still. I don't right? know. Well, I... That's a great idea from an educational perspective. I mean, right, yeah, because I... you have all the foundations of all the open source stuff. That the, Everything the project leaves behind is this yeah. public domain educational thing. Could it be, could, could we spin up a 501c3 that that's something? Who would be part of it? I, I'm 
I'm just brainstorming. I've never mentioned this to anyone. I just had a reaction to what you talked about. Well, I, I would, you know, a couple different things, just some thought process. So if it was like ELRS, um, you know, one of the, the, the things behind that would be the, the frequencies used, right? So I think you would be better served, like Dave was saying, you know, being like an LLC. And because, you know, if you're looking to normalize a specific frequency, you're going to need to uh, be able to influence uh, uh, members of Congress or stuff like that to, you know, help you kind of keep that, that segment of the, the control signal kind of free from places like we were mentioning earlier, cell phone companies and that kind of thing. Whereas a 501c3, it limits the amount you can lobby. So, um, you know, stuff like that might be more beneficial to actually be like a corporation. Uh, That's why I thought of it as a, as a protocol, not standards. And of course, the LRS was sort of an example that came right. into my mind as I was speaking, because the protocol is actually crossfire, but that's like deeply defined. Like, is there some <laughs> Uber protocol? And I want to say protocol, I mean, is a well, I think you de might, facto you might standard. As I was thinking of de facto and de jure standards, and I, um, there are international standards development bodies. I'm a member of ASTM, and I do not know what organization what organizational structure they're under they're on um, yeah they have a ton of uh, intellectual property and it's you know their objective is to disseminate a lot of information in a very orderly manner so acting like a standards body might not be a bad approach either right and then yeah. can that be brought in as a cb cbo into this thing is like well we're real we're doing this what are you I defining know, i don't know that there's any benefit to you i mean it, it could and it could hinder you a lot mm -hmm. right 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 there are real there are real restrictions to being a 501c3 uh you you, you can you can't lobby uh congress yeah 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 to be very careful I, i'm uh, not by the way i'm obviously personally i'm not anything it's just a right right wild so, yeah. idea Ah, Sorry. Love, yeah, love ideas. No, no, no apologies necessary. Love no, the thought absolutely. process. And the, the, the we... deep rooted of it is this, this sort of a you know triggering reaction that came from oh could it be a de facto protocol right like mm -hmm. and then when I say protocol like because I'm sort of on this bandwagon of protocols not standards right not something that's set by a committee you know people that are like SEMTI or any kind of ATSC I don't want to say ATSC like any kind of committee based stuff where the contributors are like participants from many corporations i'm talking about real life more like something that grows from the open source community right mm -hmm. defined as a standard but they don't they follow standards but sometimes they accidentally define standards because they work a certain way so if you publish something that's all from scratch built by the open source community and it can be defined as a standard right, right? that's like a de facto protocol I'm, I'm i'm flipping it around you see de facto standard is a protocol or a de facto protocol this grew and it has a life of its own and therefore it's a cbo right so you see i'm stretching it a lot right but right anyway right. we'll still on it yeah. until some other time yeah. maybe something else will come out of it sorry for the disruption thanks guy no no it's Interesting line of thought. Thank you. So legendary says, could the exact same, could the same exact group of people all form a CBO and LLC, a 501c3, all under the same name? No, um, no, you no. 
You can, if you are a for-profit corporation, you cannot then become a 501c3. If you are a 501c3, you can transform to become a for-profit. But there are, you cannot be both, and you know, there are paths that are restricted. But you can sort of have a parent company that spins off a 501c3. Absolutely. Or at least like sister that. companies. That's, that's, or... what, that's what the AMA did, and that's what yeah. uh, Flight Test has done. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. And uh, AMA the has... The roots of it are open source and community contributors. That's where, yeah. like, it has to come from truly community open source stuff and then have yeah, created an entity that represents the protocol that's defined in the code. Yeah, well, yeah, I was uh, open source only in the software zone. And so we create, as in uh, FPV Freedom Coalition creates no source code, no uh, intellectual property in that regard, but we uh, help um, uh, advocate the FAA and we create a fair amount of intellectual capital uh, which we share openly, and we're also big into educating the community, and those are the the tenets behind the mission of why we exist. So, to to Legendary's question, but they can all be legally unrelated, but it's the same people running it with the same name. So, yes, you can yes, have absolutely. Uh, so like uh, F flight test. They have the flight test. Uh, that the for-profit side, and then they've got the FTCA, um, and they, they, there are member, there are people who operate both, essentially. So that that is, but the 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 point comes with a five hundred one c three and a LLC or or whatever uh, flight test is. Um, you cannot, you, you got to be extremely divisive on how you separate the in terms of yeah. financials is the the key point um, yeah lenny so. says related and that's a yeah so th that's separate that that's a, a good uh delineation i that's a good yeah I, i'd say that's a good com comment yeah so. a, a uh a chapter s and a 501c3 could be related they just need to be separate entities fair mm -hmm. fair comment so all right good discussion compiled i love it cobalt <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was talking to a COBOL, COBOL programmer uh, a couple months ago. She's uh, still making a living being a, cons a COBOL consultant. So it's a good business to be in. <laughs> you can well, set your own hours. There you go. <laughs> Funny. All right. Uh, any well, Anything I'm... else? Dan, uh, Dan, you got anything for us? Nope. For Alex? Hexted. Hexted. A Chevy man? Coded in COBOL? You're the man. I love it. <laughs> Ford, I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, but I keep... It's a 454 that keeps throwing me off. <laughs> All right. So, good discussion, guys. Uh, good topics. Uh, do appreciate having you guys here. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks uh, with some more, hopefully, uh, some more news. Uh, hopefully, uh, the drama's calmed down a little bit in the FPV scene and... Uh, We've uh, gotten over the, the, the latest thing. So, um, but with that, I'll give you back the rest of your evening. Uh, thank you and have a great night. Thank you. Everyone, take care. Thanks, everybody. Bye.